Netcasts you love. From people you trust. This is Twit. Bandwidth for the Tech Guy is provided by Cashfly. C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y dot com. Hi, this is Leo Laporte, and this is my Tech Guy podcast. The show originally aired on the Premier Radio Networks, including about uh, 150 of the best stations in the U.S. and Canada, and XM Channel 166. That's our new channel. Please make a note of it. On Sunday, May 22nd, 2011, this is episode 772. Enjoy. Well, a good day to you, Leo Laporte here, the tech guy, and it's time to talk about tech. Yes, indeedy, computers, the internet, cell phones, camcorders, MP3 players, home theater. The list goes on and on. 8888-ASK-LEO, our home theater guy, uh, is coming up in just a little bit, by the way. Scott Wilkinson, for if you've got any home theater questions, be a good time to call. He'll be on about 33 and a half after the hour, give, give or take a second. Hey, this is radio. We are precise. We're the NASA of, uh, of 19th century technologies. Yes, or tw- maybe it's 20th century. T- 20th century. We, we, precision is our second name. So, um, Apple, they did it again. I, you know, I feel like such a tool. I have been used by Apple again. I don't know if they even did this on purpose. But boy, the rumor mill went crazy this week because Apple was up to something. It leaked out that Apple employees had been asked to stay uh, overnight last night. Uh, black curtains were going to go up all around all the Apple stores. Everyone knew that the 10th anniversary of the Apple store was last Thursday. So people thought, oh, Apple's going to ship, you know, maybe then the iPhone 5 is here. Or maybe their new uh, operating system, OS X Lion, will roar. Or, you know, I mean, all the rumors and uh, speculation. And I, I confess, I I was sucked in by everybody else, like everybody else. And uh, we covered it and talked about it and so forth. So what is it? <laughs> <laughs> I am so embarrassed. <laughs> so if you go to an Apple store today, they've got iPads at, <laughs> at every uh every um unit, demo unit. There's an there's a new iPad it's like a, like an iPad kiosk at every <laughs> and you can get information about the product. Only Apple could get this much coverage for that. Apparently there's a button on the iPad that you can push. It says, come help me. So you don't have to, you know, you don't have to wait in line. Uh, I guess there was a lot of training. Uh, the, the stores were redesigned, you know, and, that, and that's why Apple put up the black curtains. They don't want anybody to see the construction. You've never seen construction in an Apple store because they always hide it. And, uh, and then Apple sent a note, an inspirational note, which I am going to read because, again, I am a tool. An inspirational note that they gave to all the Apple retail employees. Now, now if you don't shed a tear... When you hear this, you are made of stone. What's so special about yesterday? Over the past 3,652 yesterdays, we've done some amazing things. We've opened 325 stores in 11 countries with 2.1 million square feet of space. And, most importantly, we've welcomed over 1 billion customers. Our 10-year history is something to be proud of. But at the same time, it's just so, well, yesterday. So let's talk about tomorrow. 
That's a day we can work with. A day to launch new products that only Apple can. A day we can build new stores that are... Oh, I can't go on. Breakthrough programs. Embrace technology. Yada, yada, yada. You know what this reminds me of? This is the speech I think the guy was reading in the 1984 commercial. That rah, 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 where the woman came with the hammer and threw it. Only this time she's wearing a Linux t-shirt. We're not content to rest on our yesterdays. We'll continue to move forward and make the most of tomorrow and every day after that. <laughs> it is amazing. I mean, look, I'll be honest. It's an amazing success, the Apple stores. And it's probably garbage like this that, uh, you know, helps make it such a success. But come on. <laughs> it's a store. <laughs> and they have an iPad now at every... Where you can press a button, a doohickey. Uh, yeah. It's, you know, you have to inspire the employees. I, and, and I don't think there's any evidence that Apple in any way kind of leaked this and tried to get coverage. And that's the other thing. I, you know, I think sometimes people blame Apple for all the uh, coverage that they get from the media. And I, I, you can't blame Apple. You got to blame the media, I guess, for uh, hook, line, and sinker. Huh? We got, they got us again. We, we fall for that. So nothing to announce. No new products. It's capitalism at its best, ladies and gentlemen. We should we should celebrate it. Yes, indeed. Did you see? Actually, this is in a, this is in a related story. The BBC did a a special this weekend. There's a new technology I think is really actually quite uh, quite fancy, uh, fascinating. Called uh, you've heard of MRI, magnetic resonance imaging that allows us to take pictures of the brain. Well, there's a new kind of MRI, functional MRI, that's truly amazing. Uh, <coughs> excuse me. It, uh, it allows you to watch the brain in action, to functionally watch the brain and see how it lights up as, you know, you hear things or see things, think about stuff. So they, they're, 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 the scientists are loving this. They're having so much fun <laughs> with fMRI. Scanning people's brains while they, you know, look at things or do things. So according to the BBC, <laughs> they have looked into the minds of Apple fanboys. Yes, I'm not kidding. It's a documentary called Secrets of the Super Brands. A documentary about the relationship between consumers and the brands that shape our behaviors. So, um, they actually looked at the brains of Apple uh, people. I, I'm not sure exactly uh, what they showed. It's it's this guy, one guy, Alex Brooks from World of Apple. He's like, there's an Apple blog. And they scanned his brain. I guess, I don't know. Was, were they showing him pictures of naked IMAX? I don't know. They were something. Somehow stimulating his uh, his Apple lust. And lo and behold, his brain, <laughs> it looks the same as a religious zealot's brain does when he beholds the face of God. It's exactly the same reaction. It's a re- and, But, you know, we've known this. It's a religious reaction. That's, boy, if you're a brand, that's what you want. I'm sure uh, every, you know, the brand manager at Nike and uh, Microsoft and Volkswagen, they're looking at this going, how can we do that? How can we do that? Uh, <laughs> because, of course, that's the reaction you want, is, is, is somebody who... Just, you know, it's more than love. It's uh, faith. 
And you and I think it's true. And sometimes not now. It's by the way, this is a small minority of overall Apple users. Of course, we're not saying that. I'm not saying all all Apple users are this you know having this kind of religious experience. But there's but they are a certain portion of it. And and I know these people. And they you know I have a friend who when he knows there's a new Apple product will just call the Apple store and say I don't care what it is put one on hold for me. That if that's not faith I don't know what is. I don't need to see it. I will buy it. If Apple made it, I will buy it. That's a religious experience, I'd say. Here's one where I want to just fall on my knees and uh, and thank God. A woman uh was on a train. <laughs> uh she was they were traveling from uh, Oakland, California to Salem, Oregon. It's about a 16-hour uh trip. And uh was on the cell phone talking to somebody the whole time. <laughs> In the quiet car of Amtrak. Um, she ended up being escorted off the train by police officers and charged with disorderly conduct. Yes, a victory. 16 hours. <laughs> on the phone. Apparently, uh, they ana- they did announcements on the intercom. Oh, this is the quiet car. No cell phones, please. She became, uh, uh, she got in a verbal battle with other passengers. Turn it off! No! I'm talking! So finally, they just had to arrest her. She says she felt disrespected. <laughs> what is it? Do, do you do this? I hope not. But is it true? It seems to me that everybody who uses cell phones talks a little bit louder then normally, that's the problem. You know, so when I'm on a cell phone, occasionally I have to be on a cell phone on a bus or a train or a public place, and I'll talk like this. I'll talk quietly because I know. If, and I figure if you talk at a level lower than everybody else, that's not going to be annoying. It's because you're talking like this. Hey, oh, I can't believe. Did you see what she was wearing? All right, we'll get to the phones. We'll talk normally. Leo Laporte, the tech guy. Leo Laporte, the tech guy. 8888. Ask Leo. That's 888-827-5536. That's the phone number. I I think I forgot to say that. Easiest way to figure out what the phone number is or, you know, get involved with the show in some way or other is to go to our website, techguylabs.com. If you just remember that, that's all you really need to remember. Everything else is there. Techguylabs.com. And you'll see... uh, not only the phone number, but links to the show notes from all the uh, shows. You'll see um, a link to our chat room. Boy, it's a good chat room. I have I have so much fun talking to the chat room. I think this is the future of, of, of broadcasting. Is two this two way broadcasting right? Where you, I mean, talk radio is that in a way, right? Because uh, the whole all the shows are built around calls, so it's a conversation. Most broadcasting is a monologue. You know, it's Brian Williams going, and then and this and that, and that. And I know I monologue a lot, but I think the <laughs> the ideal would be a conversation. And uh, we're it, one of the reasons I like doing live stuff is because that's you can have a conversation, not recorded, so you can talk back. And so we ask you to call eight 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 
800-827-5536. But only a few people can get through on that on the phone line. But, uh, you know, we always usually uh, always have um, maybe a thousand people in the chat room. Always usually. I, I, I hate it when I say that. Sorry. We usually have a thousand people or thereabouts in the chat room. So a great way to participate not only with me but with our uh, our audience. That link is on the website, techguylabs.com. Also a link to the live video so you can watch my incredibly attractive hair. Uh, <laughs> the chat room's kind of going crazy because for years I, like most radio guys, wore big old headphones. But for the last three years we've been streaming a video of the show and I'm still wearing the big old headphones and it looks kind of dopey. So uh, I just uh, a couple of weeks ago started using in-ear headphones uh, that, you know, so you can you can see my head. Now you wish you now you wish you hadn't said anything, huh? These are fun. These are nice. These are they're not available yet. Or I, I'll tell you when they become available. I'll talk about them. It's a company. Well, I'll mention it's a company called Sonomax, and uh, I wonder if they'll be. I wonder if they'll become available. The whole idea we saw these at CES. Maybe you heard me talk about it on the radio show. The whole idea is they uh, you buy this box that comes with a large kind of it looks like old fashioned headphones that go over the head, and you stick them in your ear. You push a button and it inflates a balloon into your ear. It goes into both ears. And then you sit. I think you have to sit for four minutes without talking. That was hard. And then on air. <laughs> that was really hard. And then they break off the headphone part and you just got these little things in your ears which you can pull out. And they're, and they're, so they're molded to your ear. They're the shape of your ear and they're soft silicone rubber and they feel pretty comfortable. And I just think this is a great idea. You know, they they have a high end and a medium range model, but they're over a hundred bucks. They're not cheap, but they fit perfectly. And and because they they fit your ear exactly right, they seal your ear. So they're, in my opinion, they're better than noise canceling headphones. You don't hear anything. Don't wear them on your bike walking down the street running, though. That'd be crazy. You, <laughs> you'd be like that lady on the train. Shut up! What? Shut up! What? However, they're quite. Um, Quite comfortable, the Sonomax. They say they're going to sell them soon. I have a feeling, though, if I'm their legal team, I could just see that meeting. You uh, you want consumers to buy a product that they stick in their ear and inflate? I I don't see how that could work. I don't. That's that's not going to work. Lewis Hollywood, Leo Laporte, the tech guy. Hi, Hi Lewis. Uh, very quickly, before my tech question, I wanted to offer a thank you and an apology. Oh, dear. I was at the Twit Cottage in April, and I wanted to thank you for allowing me to visit in your home away from home. We have an open-door studio, and we, you know, we have two people in studio today. We almost always have somebody visiting. It's really fun. You are as, very, as genial a host in person as you are on the air. Yes, and you get to, and I get to share wine with you, too. <laughs> wine with me, and I wanted to apologize, because apparently it's a social faux pas when I um, visited. A week later, I heard you having a conversation with Gina Smith. And apparently you both uh, are not fond of California wines. No, I lo- the wine you brought was fantastic. I know exactly what you brought. Really? Oh, good. Oh, oh, golly. I hope I didn't hurt your feelings. How rude of me. Well, I was concerned. How rude of me. No, I drink plenty of California wine. I'm in Sonoma County, for crying out loud. I'm in the wine country here. They would lynch me if I were to say I don't like California wine. I do love French wines. Mm-hmm. I'm a fan of French wines. And I think French wines, it's funny, here in California, you, you know, people go, oh, we're better than French wines. So I guess I'm reacting to that. But no, I, your wine was fantastic. Thank you, Louis. Glad. Um, oh, it was delicious. I have a 2004 Prius with built-in hands-free. And I had 
no trouble pairing the car with the phone I had at the time, which was a Treo 650. Then I got an iPhone uh, 3G and had no trouble with that. And finally, last year, I got an iPhone 4, and that worked fine. But a few weeks ago, I had to return the iPhone 4 and get a warranty replacement because the home button wasn't working. And although the phone and the car seem to have paired fine, now the connection fails whenever I get back in the car unless I turn Bluetooth on the phone off and then on again. Isn't that a pain? You know, I've had this happen with, you know, as you know, I use a new phone every three seconds. So I'm always pairing phones. Uh, not only with my car, but with other devices. I mean, I spend. I, I seem like I'm always pairing something. So, um, and I've noticed this that Bluetooth is kind of uh, flaky. It sometimes uh, you can have problems. And then, for instance, I have a uh, this this latest Android phone that I carry, the G2X. For some reason, uh, every time I got in my Mustang, which you know, and, and it paired, it would drop it after 30 seconds. That happened for uh, four weeks, and now it doesn't anymore. It works fine. And I have no, I have no idea what happened like a standard that isn't quite a standard well yes it, it feels like that it feels uh unfinished oh. i think we all experience these um the the things that i always do of course is to delete you know start over delete the bluetooth uh entry uh on your car um delete it on your phone as well start over right um i do think the iphone 4 initially had some problems with bluetooth there were some people complaining that the iPhone 4 would, for instance, crash the Ford Sync. I don't know if it was having trouble with the Prius. Um, I haven't, you know, I, I have several iPhone. My son has an iPhone 4. He pairs it with my car, and I pair my own iPhone 4 with the car, and that's been working fine. I don't know what it is. There is, it just feels like it, it's flaky. Yeah, a little bit. Okay, well, I'll keep trying to uh, clear them and repair them until it, it works that seems to that seems to work the you know on the android phones uh i'm suspicious that maybe i'm installing an app you know it's possible i'm installing an app that is interfering with the bluetooth right because many apps use uh, the bluetooth in one way or the other right and uh and so my only thinking i don't know why it all of a sudden cleared up unless i uninstalled something i'm gonna have to go back and look at my logs and see what i did okay. it's if lewis it's just flaky i don't understand it yeah the trouble may not have started until i also paired the phone with a plantronics headset so that could be it too I would clear out all the pairings yep. on the car and the phone and start over. Great. Thanks, Leo. Thanks. And thanks for the wine, Lewis. I appreciate it. More when I see it at the new studio and later. Thank you. Sure. As somebody said in the chat room, the only wine I don't like is the one that's not in the room with me. <laughs> Thank you, Lewis. Thank you. Take care. People are going to have such, I have such a bad reputation. I don't know why it is. We have a guest uh, in studio today. He's visiting from, uh, from Denver, Brett. He brought me booze. <laughs> but he was very kind. He said, well, it's not for you. It's for all the drunks you work with. I don't think he was talking about you, Luis Oliveira, or you, Gina Salvani, because <laughs> they're not even in the same room. More calls right after this. Oh, Scott Wilkinson coming up. Leo Laporte, the tech guy.
This portion of the Tech High Show is brought to you by Carbonite.com. It's backup done right. Amazing online backup. It's automatic, and you can try it free for two weeks. Just go to Carbonite.com. Use the offer code LEO. You don't even need a credit card. If you decide to buy two months additional free, just uh, visit Carbonite.com. Find out all about it. Right now, visiting us from his 30% gray room. <laughs> sounds like the most depressing thing ever. <laughs> Scott Wilkinson, he also sounds like he's a mad scientist with that laugh. Hey, Scott. (laughs) (laughs) Great to talk to you once again. Thank you, and you. I'm actually not in my uh, 9% gray room today. Oh, 9%, okay. It's 9% gray, yep. I'm I'm in my dining room uh, sitting in front of my grandmother's quilt. That's actually a beautiful quilt, and every time you do that, people say, what is that behind him? That's pretty. Yeah, it's very nice. Uh, hand-stitched and all. It's been in my family for many, many years. Uh, no, I do my podcast from my 9% gray room. <laughs> <laughs> that Otherwise, podcast, no- Home Theater Geeks, by the way, is uh, great. You can hear it at twit.tv slash htg. Who's who's coming up? You do it Mondays, right? I do it Mondays, yep. And um, this uh, tomorrow, in fact, uh, is the... Famous video guru, Joe Kane. Oh, you're kidding. Yeah. Oh, he, my goodness. He's the guy. He is the guy. He has um, he has influenced the display industry greatly by insisting upon accuracy in displays and calibrating them properly. He, in, in fact, um, helped to found the Imaging Science Foundation, or ISF, which uh, is one of the two certification bodies that that get um that get people certified to calibrate tvs properly so is that uh, calibration dvd dv essentials that we talk about is that by joe it is mm-hmm. <clears throat> digital video essentials uh it's now in its uh, third or fourth incarnation it started out on laser disc and then went huh. to dvd yeah, you know you remember huh. laser disc yeah <laughs> i have one i have a i still have a bunch of discs but I, my player is my wife sold my player for a dollar. What? At the yard sale. Huh? Yeah. She had this idea. I think that in, in hindsight, a lousy idea. She yes. said, we'll have a dollar yard sale. We'll save everything for a dollar. But included in that was all my electronics stuff. Oh, and, man. I mean, thousands and thousands of dollars worth of gear. And I know that it was under underpriced because the people were very happy <laughs> walking away. You know, I still have a, a Laserdisc player myself um, just in case I might want to. I have a few laser discs, but uh, generally speaking, uh, digital video essentials went on, obviously, to DVD. Yeah. Blu-ray um, even it's, now. It's now on Blu-ray. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and in fact, last week, uh, I attended an event uh, uh, put on by Samsung at which Joe uh, introduced his latest set of test patterns, which you won't be too interested in because they're about 3D. <laughs> well, but I, but you know, it's an interesting thing. You've got to um, calibrate a 3D TV, and I and I and I think that must be kind of challenging. It is. It's very challenging, particularly since we don't have any 3D test patterns. So if right. you play a regular 2D test pattern into a 3D TV and put it in its 3D mode, um, <clears throat> it looks weird. It it looks double imaged, and you have to basically shoot. Well, you can't even do that. Um, if a TV has a 2D to 3D mode, uh, that works very well because it'll convert the 2D images into 3D, and they'll still look 2D. They'll look flat, but 
you put the, the lens of the glasses that you wear over the measuring equipment, over the camera and the uh, colorimeter and the light meter and so on, and you oh, can measure that, that. Now, if you thought you looked silly in 3D glasses, imagine how a camera looks in 3D glasses. <laughs> That's silly. Exactly. Well, <clears throat> Joe has developed now a set of real 3D test patterns, um, which is very interesting in that he calls them 3D flat. The right and left images are precisely and exactly the same. Huh. And <clears throat> you might go, well, why, why even do that? Well, his contention is that 3D is really nothing more than two 2D images next to each other. And right. so, <clears throat> and, when, and when they're c- completely coincident, exactly the same, they, they appear to be at the, the plane of the screen. And when they diverge, then they go either behind the plane of the screen or in front of the plane of the screen. Uh, And he contends that a a 3D TV first needs to be a good 2D TV because all it's doing is producing two 2D images. So that makes sense. um, It makes total sense. And so uh, he's also simplifies things because you don't have to be, you know, it's not really 3D. Just get two. 2D images. Exactly. Plus, you don't have to look at the screen with glasses. Right. You can see the test pattern perfectly well uh, in 3D mode without wearing glasses. There is one issue. You want to make sure both uh, the left image and the right image are the same uh, luminance. And, you know, they have to be equal, right? Yes, they do. Exactly right. And, uh, you know, in the case of a flat panel or or a single projector, they always will be because they're being produced by the same engine. I get it. Now, in the case of like a Runco uh, which is a dual projector, or a SIM 2, which is a dual projector, or in the commercial cinema, IMAX uses two projectors. Oh, I didn't know that. Wow. Yep. Uh, <clears throat> they do because the uh, that gives you greater brightness. See, one of the big problems with 3D is that so much light is lost right. coming through the glasses. I saw Thor in 3D, I, to you my know? great regret. <laughs> oh, no, really? Well, it's a terrible movie. In fact, I, I now think that 3D is going to be useful for people like me as a way of marking bad movies. <laughs> it's like House of Wax. If it's 3D, I don't want to see it. So I went, I thought I was going to be, I'm, you know, hey, I'm nothing if not fair. I went, I'm going to try this. Mm-hmm. I'm going to wear the glasses. And item one, you're absolutely right. I felt like I was in, it, it never got used to how dark it was. Now, which, which. It was uh, real D. Te- it was real D. Okay. And that's surprising. Well, it's not that surprising. It's darker. Real D uses one projector. Right. Which means it's going to be darker. That's correct. Yep. Um, I actually went and saw Thor, believe it or not, twice. You liked it. I did like it. <laughs> and what exactly was it <laughs> that you liked? <laughs> well, I thought the story was pretty good. I thought the acting was surprisingly good. Yeah. Well, Thor, I mean, usually when you get a big hunky guy, they're not good actors. He was quite a good, I don't know what his he name was. was quite, he, he's quite he, good. He, I've forgotten his name now too, but yeah, he is quite a good Chris actor. Swenson or something. Yeah. He was one of the guys, again? one of the guys, Chris who, Hounsworth, Helmsworth, Helmsworth. That's right. He's actually an Australian soap opera star. And a uh, hunk of hunkalicious. A hunk. Yeah. And, and he's a hunk of man. Meat, <laughs> My producer sure. Eileen's going, Yes, <laughs> but he was. But because he was a good actor, he was credible. You know. Yes, that's exactly right. Yeah. Now, one of the guys who wrote the story didn't write the script, but wrote the story was a guy named J. Michael Straczynski, who was the guiding light behind Babylon Five, one of my favorite all-time sci-fi shows on TV. That guy knows his mythology. He knows his character development. 
He's a, I respect him tremendously. I just was disappointed because I expected ballet and, and Natalie Portman didn't <laughs> dance once. <laughs> yeah, well, plus the fact, though, you have to remember that Thor was a conversion. It was shot in 2D. Oh, you know, it felt like it. It didn't seem very 3D at all to it, me. It didn't. That's correct. And in fact, quite a bit of the movie wasn't even in 3D. I noticed that I would lift my glasses and say, hey, why am I wearing these stupid glasses? Right. Exactly. But you can't tell uh, when uh, if you're wearing the glasses that it's going back and forth, which is, I guess, hey, there's a selling point. <laughs> anyway, uh, you know, uh, whatever. There's a, I, 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 you're doing a poll on the front page of Ultimate AV Magazine. I'll be very interested to see what people say. Do, do you like 3D in theaters? Right, I mean, exactly. I, I'll, stand, I'll stand 100% behind my position that nobody wants 3D TVs. But but maybe that I mean certainly 3D movies are selling well so I, I'm very curious. This is ultimateavmag.com. You can cast your vote. That's Scott right. Got to let uh, us know top, next week. Top of the homepage is do you enjoy 3D in the commercial cinema? Next week I'm going to ask the same question about uh, a home 3D 3D TV. Um, but uh, and if you vote, I'd, I'd say Leo, go ahead and vote. I uh, did, and you'll see. <laughs> and uh, yeah, it's about what I think. UltimateAVMag.com. Scott Wilkinson, thanks so much. Leo Laporte, you bet. the tech guy. Leo Laporte, the tech guy, 8888 asked me. I hope I didn't hope any, hurt anybody's feelings saying I thought it was a bore. It, it just uh, wasn't my cup of tea. Wasn't my cup of tea. But Scott loved it. Saw it twice. And it was not, yeah, now, now that he explains that it was a conversion, it wasn't a, it wasn't a movie made in 3D, I kind of understand that a little bit better because it didn't seem very 3D at all. It's like, why am I wearing these glasses? I have to say, I have yet to see a movie, even Avatar, that I didn't enjoy more in 2D than 3D. Because of the glasses I find distracting, the lower light. I just find the 3D kind of takes over the experience. It's about 3D instead of about a movie. And that's just my opinion. But uh, I'll be curious to see what happens in the poll. 888-827-5536 is your number to call. If you have a question, comment, a suggestion, or you want to give me your review of Thor. Clint Victorville, California. Hi, Clint. Leo Laporte, the tech guy. I pressed his button, but he's not saying anything. Hello, Clint. Uh, well, that's okay. He says he can't burn CDs. Do I have any idea? No. So it was a quick call anyway. Aaron in Seattle, Leo Laporte, the tech guy. Hi, Aaron. Hey, Leo. How are you? I'm well. How are you? Good. Uh, first-time caller, long-time listener. Appreciate you taking my call. Thanks for calling. Um, what I have is I'm uh, buying a new house, or new to me, and um, one <laughs> a surveillance system with uh, uh, four cameras, and I found it. It's a Zmodo, Z-M-O-D-O. And um, I don't know much about it. And I'm wondering, I'm looking for reviews, and I haven't been able to find anything. So I don't, I don't know Zmodo. Um, I have to say that I think in many ways, uh, the surveillance cameras are, have become a commodity market. In other words, uh, there isn't much to distinguish one company from another. 
I think that's partly because in many ways they all use the same hardware. You know, it's just it's just a brand. They they buy cameras from China, and they brand it and they put a picture, you know, a, a system together. Um, I'm looking at the Zmoto website, and uh, it you know it looks good to me. <laughs> um, it's interesting. They're using a DVR system, so uh, essentially uh, you have a capture card, and uh, you then have as many as 32 cameras all going to this hard drive. Which is, of course, if you're going to record, a better way to do it than a than a tape system, for instance. Right. I'm sure. You, uh, whereas, if it gets full, it deletes what the, the oldest. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it also. Well, has, and look, it says Zmoto Technology Corporation, located in Shenzhen, China. <laughs> so, um, you know, this is this. I mean, this is this underscores exactly what I said, which is it's essentially a commodity business. Um, so I, you know, I don't know if one's better than the other. I guess it's going to really come down to software, you know, and how well the stuff works and works together. This stuff looks good. I mean, I, I see they have LED lights, uh, light rings around some of the cameras. That's pretty cool. Uh, let me ask. Let me see. Let me see what the chat room says. Anybody in the chat room uh, use Zmoto? I think you know uh, this looks like a more serious um, system than a lot of the uh, a lot of the consumer systems like X10 and so forth. Um, but I don't. I, I have no ex, no experience with it at all. So I, I just uh, I just don't know. What I'm interested in is you're able to access it from your phone, and I'm not. I think that would nowadays uh, be a minimum that you'd want is to be able to go to the web and see what's going on, or if you can do that, of course, doing it on your phone. It's really nice, especially if they have a, a an app, which makes it easier. But of course, you can always do it in the browser as well. We use, you know, it's funny we're. Uh, we we put a drop cam. I use drop cams uh, quite a bit. These are cameras that have Wi-Fi. All you have to do is provide them with power and a Wi-Fi signal, and uh, they do audio and video. They do recording online, which is kind of interesting. So if you buy the drop cam account, uh, in fact, the, you could actually see what was going on in our studio construction a week ago by just scrolling back. So it doesn't use a DVR. It does it over the internet. But each camera, you know, the cameras are expensive and each camera has its own account. So if you have a lot of, um, uh, you know, cameras that you how many cameras do you want to put up? Well, it comes with four in the system, but it's capable of eight. So and would you need, would you need all of those? Well, I'd probably want to use at least four and maybe, right. maybe up to eight, but. Okay. Well, I think drop cam is not a good solution uh, for that. For people who are, are content with one camera, as we are here. Um, this is much easier than a DVR system. All you have to do is provide power to the thing um, and, a, and a Wi-Fi signal. I can hang it anywhere, and I can go back and not only see the picture, but hear the audio, and I can go minute by minute um, through the recording. You do pay a, a monthly fee for the recording capability, but we have a recording going back to May 15th. That's pretty cool. you know. And so for a security camera, the ability to go back. The other things you might look for in security cam software is... Uh, Motion sensitivity, so that, for instance, it might email you if there if there's motion that you don't expect. There is uh, that's handy. The, is incorporated in the system. Uh, I'm not good. Sure, how that works. Or, you know, that sounds that all of that sounds pretty good. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's good news. Sorry, I can't be much more uh, help to you. The, the problem is there's so many of these. Well, I'm looking at our studio. They cleaned it up a lot over the last uh, day. <laughs> I haven't been over there. I guess we're putting in carpeting, so they had to uh, clear the floor. And see, so it's kind of fun. I can go and, and see 
you know, when they started doing that, I can actually watch the process going back in time. That's Dropcam, D-R-O-P-C-A-M. And uh, I've been I've been pretty uh, impressed with that. But again, it's a kind of maybe kind of pricey. So if you want more than one camera, a kind of a pricey solution. Hey, we're going to take a break. Come back in just a moment. Look at that. It's all different now. It's fun. It's fun to have a spy cam. I have to say. Although when I first set it up in the office, my staff was not happy. <clears throat> I probably should have warned them. Might have been kind of mean. Coming up in just a, a second, uh, we're going to talk to. Um, Steve in Encinitas, his, his nephew can't get online at home, but can, get, can use the neighbor's Wi-Fi just fine. Well, what's going on? <laughs> Before we talk about that, though, let me talk about Carbonite.com. It's backed up, done right. You know you've heard me talk about Carbonite. It's that amazing online backup system. Why online? Well, uh, I, I think there, there's a real compelling reason for online. Carbonite runs in the background automatically. Whenever you're online, it's backing up your data. Now, here's the deal. Anytime, anywhere, you can get to your data from any computer, even from an iPhone, iPad, uh, BlackBerry, Android phone. There's your data. It's available. So it's cloud storage. I think that's really handy. You have your data anywhere you go. And, of course, it's the ultimate backup because you could lose a complete computer. You could have a fire and lose everything. But your data is safe. You get another computer. You log in. There's your data. You can restore to the computer or work with that data in the cloud. Now, there are many other ways to do a similar thing, but none of them as effective, as affordable as Carbonite. For PC or Mac, less than $5 a month. It's $55 a year. And, and notice I don't say for any amount of storage. It's for whatever's on your internal hard drive. It's basically unlimited. $55 a year. $59 a year. I want you to try this right now by going to Carbonite.com. Use my name, Leo. You can try it free for two weeks. Don't need a credit card. No personal information. Just try it. See how it works for you. If you decide to buy, use my name, Leo, again, you'll get 14 months for the price of 12. So it's an even better deal. This is the kind of online backup I recommend and use myself. Automatic, in the sky. You want privacy? Encrypted too, sure. So no one can see your data. Carbonite. It's backup done right. I want you to try it now. Carbonite.com. Use my name, Leo, for a two-week trial. Mike is in Portland, Maine. Hello, Mike. Leo Laporte, the tech guy. Hi, Leo. Hey, i got to agree with you about 3D. When you watch something, anything in 3D, it's not about any kind of movie. It's about special effects. And you see right. you, when you're looking in 2D, you know, things aren't just... Well, that's my point is, uh, excuse me, but um, your brain is turning 2D images into 3D pretty darn well. Exactly. Exactly. It, ma- it makes no sense. It's just, and to me, it's just silly, but that's... Close one eye. Does the world get flat? <laughs> no. Hey, I don't know. It looks like... You know, no. No. <laughs> My, the my, best my 3D is created right up here in the in the noggin, not in the glasses. And even, even Wiley Post flew around the world with one eye, you know. One eye, Wiley. That's now it. it's a personal choice. If you love 3D, fine. And I, you know, I actually have friends who bought a 3D television. I don't know why. I tried to talk them out of it. But but that's not why I called. Why did you call? I called because um, I'm finally decided that I should do something other than listen to CDs and get some <laughs> iPod. And I, yes, I think you're right, Mike. Welcome to the 21st century. Thank you. Um, and I like to get an iPod Touch because I would like to have all the other wonderful things that go with that with Wi-Fi. I'm not getting an iPhone because the rates are still very high and all that data stuff, so it doesn't make any sense. I think that's smart. I think a lot of people are buying touches. as They're selling very, very well for that exact reason. You get an iPhone without the phone. Exactly. But what I'm wondering, 
I'm not a big fan of Apple because I've basically been using PCs. Not that Apple and Macs are great stuff. It's just I've been using PCs. And I find when you try to use Apple software on a PC, regardless of what it is, it becomes incredibly invasive. And it doesn't- Oh, you are so right. You are so right. And so I was wondering if there's any kind of iPod Touch type device that's actually Android based. Ah, a great question. Hang on the line. I'll answer it when we come back. Leo Laporte, the tech guy. Time to talk about tech. Well, yeah, you know, computers, the internet, cell phones, camcorders, MP3 players, home theater, blah, 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 blah. Chris Marquardt, our digital photo uh, guru, has returned, I hear. So we'll uh, talk to, to Chris about the digital photography, too, in just a little bit. If you have a question, a comment, a suggestion, my phone number, toll-free from anywhere in the U.S. of A, 888-827-5536. That's 8888-ASK-LEO. If you're outside the U.S., Skype works great. You just use Skype out to that number. It won't cost you a penny because it's toll-free. And we love hearing from you from all over the world. 150 stations in the U.S. now. XM, we're on channel 166 now on XM. They moved America's Talk to 166. So hello to everybody all over the place as we talk about technology. Uh, Right before uh, the break... We had Mike on the line. He, uh, he uh, quite reasonably says, I want an iPod, probably an iPod Touch, but I'm a Windows user and I'm nervous that Apple software is just going to be junk on Windows. And I have to say, it is, it is surprisingly bad considering that the vast majority of iPod owners are on Windows. I, that's what I have heard. And I don't even use QuickTime. I never have because of the same kind of Issue. Well, and you'd have to install QuickTime to use iTunes. Those two go together. They One requires the other. Um, I was hoping that there, I don't know if anybody's making anything, not necessarily to compete with the iPod. I don't think there's anything that can compete with an iPod Touch. That absolutely is true. It's certainly not with a Touch. Uh, you know, that's a unique and best-selling device for good reason. It really is the best. In fact, since the iPod came out in 2001, no one's been able to compete. However, uh, Android does work fine. Um you know, it depends on what your needs are, but I do think that there are some very good Android devices, including uh, the Arcos line, A-R-C-H-O-S. They make um, a variety of Android tablets in a variety of prices and sizes, some very similar to the iPod Touch in size. They also make tablets that are similar to the uh, iPad in size. It runs um, uh, Android. Now, I... Android itself is fine. I mean, it's not it's not iOS, but it, it's fine. And uh, the the good news is that there are apps for all the internet radio services like Rhapsody, RDO, Mog, uh, you know, uh, Spinner, uh, Slacker. Well, most of the things that I end up listening to in terms of a, uh, I, I listen to a lot of talk radio. Obviously, I'm listening to you. Although, on hey, good choice. <laughs> so, um, I, I, yeah, and you could. 
lot of the stations have apps for the for the phones. I don't want to mention any stations. Yeah, there's iHeartRadio is available on Android. That's for uh, all the Clear Channel stations. CBS has its. Uh, and then there's some very good um, uh, internet radio apps in general that can pick up them and, and all the others. In fact, I would say there are more good internet radio apps on Android than there are on the iPhone. Because Android really caters to a do-it-yourself crowd. So, um, in fact, I think Android is a very good choice. If that's if if you want to listen to internet radio, uh, Android is an excellent choice. The, my favorite internet radio uh, uh, program is called TuneIn. TuneIn Internet Radio. It's available on Android as well as iPhone. It's functionally identical on both. It allows you to listen to local radio uh, podcasts. Uh, internet-only stations as well as terrestrial stations. It allows you to record. It has a DVR capability uh, so that you can actually record radio shows, which is fantastic. Um, and it's a fairly inexpensive. I can't remember how much it was. I got it free when Amazon offered it for free, and I fell in love with it. So now, I'm um, on the Archer site right now. What tablet should I be looking for in terms of a small... Well, it, you choose by, by uh, size. Um, I would say. Now, one thing you should know about Arcos is they're lower-cost devices the, especially the cheaper devices, uh, the smaller devices, are are uh, capacitive, I'm sorry, resistance touch, not capacitive touch, uh, which you will find is not so cool. Um, but the, you, you remember, this: you, you came to me, and uh, just for people who are just tuning in, saying, I don't want a phone. I want the equivalent of an iPhone without the phone part, and that's exactly what uh, these Android uh, devices from Arcos do. For instance, the three... Two, which is uh, essentially an iPod Touch or an Android phone without the phone, and it's running on. Uh, the, they run. Uh, I, I believe the latest version uh, that they run right now is uh, Froyo two point two of Android. I'd like to see them update that. Uh, these are fairly fast processors. You can look at the specs. Uh, I think these are very, very uh, good devices. They're look. They're it's not an iPod Touch, but I will. You wish you had an iPod Touch. I don't think so. I think you'll find it's fine. There's a program called Double Twist, which is what I use on Windows, that will sync this up, not only uh, when you connect it, but also w- over Wi-Fi. So when I, when I get into uh, the house, my uh, phone automatically sees my um, my P- my Mac, actually, and I'm running Double Twist on the Mac, but it works on Windows too, and starts syncing podcasts and music. Well, and I just pulled up the, 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 the buy. They look like they're reasonably priced too. At least. They're very affordable. This is a company that really is trying to compete in a marketplace where they just, they've been around for almost as long as anybody, and they've never really been able to get any uh, uh, traction. I think they make great stuff. I've played with a number of these. Um, they call, some of them are mini tablets. They have ones that are smaller than iPod Nanos. They go, they range in every, from every size, from the, you know, the the 10-inch tablet to little tiny, you know, iPod size uh, devices. I think this is really good and very affordable. Well, I will definitely check it out. Thank you so much. You solved. Thanks for the call, Mike. I'm glad. I'm actually really glad to promote these guys. I think they're a great company, and I, they're they're just kind of not that well known, and uh, they deserve to be. They even make Windows based uh, tablets. But do you hear much about them? No. A R C H O S dot com. I think it's because they're from France. I think they are. I think they're French. And I think that might might really truly be a little bit of a disadvantage in the U.S. market. Um, 8888-ASK-LEO. That's the phone number. Steve is in Encinitas, California. Hi, Steve. Leo Laporte. 
Hi there, Leo. How are you doing? Wonderful. How are you? Good. Hey, and by the way, thanks for your past advice. I use Carbonite, Nod32, GoToMyPC, and Skype, and love them all. Oh, our advertisers are happy. <laughs> That's great. Well done. Thank you. <laughs> okay. Well, I, I've, I've got a, I'm trying to solve a problem for my 10-year-old nephew. He's got a, a fairly new three-month-old Windows 7 desktop computer mm-hmm. next in his house through their own wireless network. Yeah. And, and on his computer, he can, he can see the network. Uh, they, they absolutely know the password. We verified it by going into the, uh, um, you know, the router and, and you know, verifying they, that he was using the right password. But his brother's laptop connects just fine. Their Game Boys connect just fine. And when he goes in and tries to set it up, and it gets to the point where you enter the password, he enters it, and when you try to connect, it says can't connect to this network. But he's connected to nearby neighbors' uh, unprotected networks just fine. That's weird. Yeah. So his wife, well, we know his Wi-Fi is working uh, and properly configured, I would guess. Uh, it sounds like some sort of interaction between his, his computer and his home Wi-Fi. What are they using for a, a router? Uh, I think it's a Linksys router. That's weird. Um, I don't know of any uh, home routers that have a limit on the number of connections. They don't have 20 or more people on there, do they? Oh, no, they don't. It's uh, you know the, their home computer is is wired in directly. His uh, older brother has a laptop that's wireless, and then he has his desktop that's wireless in his bedroom. Okay, and it's not. Um, what kind of uh, encryption are they using? WPA. Uh, I believe so. I you know I haven't been. It, it might be worth uh, having them uh, start over with the encryption. Okay. In other words, re- reconfigure the Linksys. You know, it'll only be a, a little bit of a pain for his brother. He has to enter the password one more, you know, once again. I'd use a new password. Um, make sure you don't have things like Mac address filtering turned on. Okay, I mean, you can know. Uh, make sure that, is his computer older or newer? Uh, his, his, his is newer, the desktop. All right, so it's not an issue then of an incompatible, you know, version of Wi-Fi. I would just start over. That's my best advice. Leo Laporte, the tech guy. Laporte, the tech guy. You know, I, I didn't mention that uh, another advantage Android might have, besides the fact that you have a choice of music players, applications, and so forth. You know, Apple really does kind of constrain what you can do. You can't, for instance, uh, um, you know, you have to buy your music from Apple, things like that, uh, unless you do it on the computer. Um, it does have a, a really large variety of uh, of great software, and Google has has just recently added this Google Music, which is going to be available. It's in beta test right now. Not everybody can get it. You have to get an invite, but uh, it's pretty cool because um, essentially what happens is you upload all your music uh, from your computer to Google, up to twenty thousand songs, and then those songs without downloading are available on your tablet or your you know you have to be online. Obviously, it's a cloud based service. 
but I, I think it works quite well. I've actually put, I uh, can't remember, I think seven or 8,000 songs on here, uh, which means I have a huge variety of music available, even on a, you know, a 16 gigabyte or 8 gigabyte device. I still have access to all of my music. It, if you're offline, however, on an airplane, it's not going to do you much good. It does cache your songs as you listen to them. So you can kind of say, hey, keep this song uh, on my, uh, my system for a little while. I think they've done a nice job. So there's another reason to think about Android as an iPad or iPhone or iPod touch replacement. It's actually, it's actually pretty good. Mary from Rosenberg, Oregon. Hey, Mary, Leo Laporte, the tech guy. Yes, Leo? Yes. I purchased a desktop a refurbished Dell through the mail. Yeah. And my son says it won't work because it doesn't have an operating system. Well, how could they sell you a computer without an operating system? Computer illiterate. I just told him. Nuts. You're, no, wait a minute. Don't blame yourself, Mary. Mary, don't blame yourself. And uh, I mean, <clears throat> I paid a lot of money for it. And at that time, I didn't even know I was going to have to purchase a modem. And then, you know, now he says I would have to buy an operating system. And, you know, I'm like, I'm Social Security. I'm like, I'm spreading myself a little thin here. Yeah, I don't blame you. This is an unusual situation. Uh, Dell has an outlet store, dell.com slash outlet, where they sell computers that were previously sold but not used in most cases. They were... Uh, they were open, but not, but not, but then yeah. return, and they can't sell them as new. So I think that's usually a good idea. It's very rare that you'll see a PC sold without an operating system. So that's what and that I kind of. I don't know what that means. I just so I can't use it, and I'm. Well, it means there's no software on the computer. It means it means it means Mary, there's no software on the computer that when you turn it on, nothing happens. Is that right? So what? I mean. Well, have you have you turned it on, Mary? What happens? What happens when you turn it on, Mary? Pardon? What happens when you turn it on? Well, I don't know because I don't know anything about it yet. You know, he's just told me this. It just sits there. On How the does he know the that there's no operating system on it? I can't understand you. How How does he know there's no operating system on it? Has he come over and looked at it? Illiterate that way I am. But he'd have to turn it on before he'd know. I don't know. And then he said for a while, there was 30 day that it could be used or he did something, but he said there's no, that's all he would tell me. There's no operating system. Uh, it sounds like there is an operating system, but it's not uh, activated or something. I, you know, said, can you, you have to have a, and they weren't, they didn't pass along the number. Yeah. So Mary, I think it does have an operating system. But I think you need to call Dell and say, hey, Dell, I need to activate this. And they need to give you a number. They sold it to you with an operating system. It's very unusual that you would have a computer without any software on it. You can't do, as your son says, you can't do anything with it. It was a a mail order thing. Yeah, I understand. That's how Dell works. There will be a phone number you can call. Okay. So you need to call them and say... What do I do? There, w- I think, you know, Dell, one thing you should look for, Mary, on the computer body, there'll be a serial number on it. There usually is a serial number on it. That's what the operating system, the computer's asking you for. 
I do think that if I were you, Mary, at this point, what I would do is I would return that computer to Dell. You have probably still can do that. Have them take it back. That's what happened the first time. That's why it's refurb. And buy an iPad. Uh, the iPad will cost you, because uh, first of all, you don't have internet access. You're not going to be able to do anything without this, without having some internet access. I don't want you to have to go out and buy a modem and contract for internet access. What I'd like you to do is is buy an iPad that has uh, 3G on it, so you'll be able to use that. They charge you 35 bucks a month. You're going to have to pay for this anyway. Might as well just have it on the iPad. It'll be much easier for you to use. It'll have an operating system. It'll have apps. Admittedly, there's going to be a learning curve. It's not going to be completely easy, Mary. But to sit somebody down who's never had a computer and to throw Adele at them and say, have at it, is not okay. That's not the way to go. You bought uh, something that's far too complicated for your first system. I think most of the people that I know who uh, who uh, don't have any computer experience but just want to do things like email and surf the web are very happy with an iPad. So I don't know if there's an Apple store near Roseburg. You do need to get this at an Apple store. You cannot mail order it because you'll have to get it activated at the Apple store because they do require you to connect it to computer to activate it. This baffles me, but welcome to the wonderful world of the computer world. Uh, it's just crazy. Uh, Apple says, we're in a post-PC era, but oh, by the way, if you buy our post-PC device, you need to connect it to a PC. Huh? The good news is they'll do that for you at the store. They're even great there at showing you kind of how to use it. So you'll be spending $629. That's uh, probably a little more than you spend on that Dell. But this thing is lightweight, it's easy, it will do everything you want. It comes with internet access on it. It comes with internet access on it. So uh, it'll be a lot, it'll be one purchase and you'll be done. You'll have to pay the 35 bucks a month to, the, uh, to AT&T or Verizon. You can actually go to a Best Buy, a Target, do the same thing. I just like, if there's an Apple store nearby, I like how help, helpful they are. And I think you really need the training wheels. Um, you can also go to a Verizon or an AT&T store and get this. But I think what you want is somebody who's going to hold your hand and, and say, this is what it does, this is what it does. I, I do think that this, for most people uh, who are challenged, you know, they get a computer and then, you know, I don't want to have to talk to Mary about security in three weeks. I don't want her to call me back and say, oh, um, Microsoft, said they popped up a window on the screen that said I needed to download the antivirus and now they want another $80 because I can't use the operating system. That's a virus. I don't want to have to deal with that. Most people, first computer, get an iPad. It's just basically a no-brainer. Um, my mother, my father-in-law, my wife, all people who are not you know, computer literate but not really into computers are so much happier. So much happier with it. And this is why they've sold so many. There's no security issues. There's really no learning curve. It's very straightforward. Thanks for the call. Leo Laporte, the tech guy.
This portion of the Tech Guy Show is brought to you by my internet service provider, DSL Extreme, for high-speed internet at an amazing... High-speed internet at an amazing... That's hard to say. High-speed internet at an amazing price. It's all about the diction. Call DSL Extreme for high-speed internet at an amazing price. 866, the number two getnet to get DSL Extreme. Leo Laporte, the Tech Guy... Chris Marquardt, our photo guy, is back. Hey, Chris. Woo! Hello. How's he's, it going? He's back from the Himalayas. <laughs> yes. Wow. From the big and tall mountains. That is so great. So you, what is the address for your blog and your photo blog for your trip, your Himalayan trek? Oh, we, we, have, we have an address where, where we show some pictures over at Him. Him well, let me try that again. Himalayanworkshops.com. Himalayanworkshops.com. This is and your this, third time, right? That's the third time. First time and second time we, we went to different sides of Mount Everest. And this year we actually wanted to go to Tibet to Mount Kailash, which is like a holy mountain for the Hindus and for the Buddhists. Very important. And um, we couldn't because like the day before we left or before we, we wanted to leave from Kathmandu, the... Um, well, let's say, let's say the Chinese authorities decided to close the Tibetan border oh, no. because some up, uprising in some monastery in Tibet. So we, we had about half a day to change plans to kind of completely turn around that trek. And we were there with a group, so we had to do something. And um, we, we have a wonderful organizer over there, a company that does like the local stuff for us. And they were able to come up with a completely different trek for us and wow. we ended up trekking up to Annapurna base tra- uh, base camp and Annapurna is one of those big 25,000 plus feet mountains in the Himalayas so we we got up to like i don't know 14,000 roughly um not as high as the mountain itself but uh, we managed well most of the group managed to get to base camp i twisted an ankle and oh to, no <laughs> i had to wait for the group to come back and uh, I took a day a day rest, so the rest of the group went on together with the Sherpas. And um, so I didn't make it to base camp, but that's kind of what happens to me on these tracks. If you well, look, this is travel <laughs> of the uh, most difficult kind, of course. And so uh, I'm not surprised, to be honest. Uh, but I think it's just great that you do this. And uh, if you want to see some amazing, f- oh my gosh, if you want to see some amazing pictures, Himalayan workshop workshops dot com. Yes. Um, I am blown away by the images. Now, now, all of these images on the front, are these from workshop attendees or are they from you? Or um, Most of them are from me and from my fiancé. And uh, most incredible. of them are from the last two years. Incredible pictures. So Chris it's, it's, is really a brilliant photographer and it's really fun. But not everybody, Chris, gets to go <laughs> to places like this. Yeah, but but a lot of people get to go to other places that are that are kind of majestic and and huge, and that is one of the problems when when you end up in these places. Let's say um, a few years ago, I was uh, I visited uh, Canyonlands National Park in Utah, which is huge. I mean, there 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 are all these these mesas and huge, uh, big, well, literally holes underground, basically, <laughs> and or the Grand Canyon. There, there are so many great sites in the U.S. Yeah, in um, fact, and travel photography is one of the best things, one of the best excuses to take pictures. And yeah, it's right. often it's often landscapes, it's often big sky country, and these yeah, are hard you, images to capture. Well, and and the problem here is that you want to kind of put things into perspective. You want to show the size and the majesty of of what you're looking at, and uh, in some 
in some contexts that is really easy, like for example, a cityscape. If you shoot a picture of a cityscape, you always know kind of, okay, that building back there, that's probably three stories high. So you have a sense of the size of things and the sense of, of proportion and perspective. Um, but if you are out in a landscape uh, like, let's say, the Grand Canyon or the Himalayas, uh, sometimes you have things like boulders the size of houses or, or the size of cars, and you, but you don't really have a good grasp on that if you look at a picture because you have no reference there so that that is one of the ways to really to show size is by including some kind of a reference that people can relate to you have a great picture and uh, it's on your Flickr account which is uh, flickr.com slash n-u-b-u-i nabui uh, this is called yak train and uh, you do exactly that you've got the incredible himalayas in the background you've got a valley a mountain gorge and in the foreground there's a yak and and that helps kind of set the perspective. And um, in general, if you shoot landscape pictures, you want to try layering things. You want to try getting something big in the foreground and then the middle ground and background um, um, will sort of fall in place very often. So in this case, I decided to just uh, take a few of those yaks and include them in the foreground to give the whole thing a bit of a sense of perspective and of depth. You know who mastered this many thousands of years ago? Chinese painters. Yes. In Chinese painting, uh, they very often do mountains, rivers, streams, and they and you. If you just look at some Chinese paintings, you'll see there's always a somebody in the foreground, and they and you don't see the majesty until you have a small little person in the foreground, and it makes such a difference. It, 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 this yak picture reminds me of a Chinese painting. That's what why it leapt to mind. I mean, it's just gorgeous. And and you know what? One of the biggest traps is that I see photographers always step into when they want to do landscape photography. When they're new at doing landscape photography, they try to take the widest angle uh, right. lens that they have possible. Open it wide up. Yep. Well, and 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 go like sixteen millimeters or twelve <laughs> millimeters or something. And you know what happens? Things that are kind of in the distance will all of a sudden be even further in the distance. So uh, last year, I remember that one shot we took, um, like a little group shot with Mount Everest in the background. And um, well, someone tried that with a 17 millimeter lens. And what happened is that Mount Everest was so small in the background that it was virtually invisible. So some, sometimes, sometimes you actually have to take a few steps back and take such a shot with a more, more telephoto lens. Because that helps put things that are close and things that are far away almost at the same size. So that made Mount Everest look much, much more majestic and much bigger than it did on a 17 millimeter lens. That was really uh, an eye opener when you look at that. And there is no Mount Everest anymore. It's gone. It's totally gone. Yeah. Yeah. Isn't that interesting? I have a picture here I took of Steve Wozniak and his wife, Janet, in uh, South America. And um, I did. I did. I whipped out the, with a wide angle and I'm, I'm now regretting it. So. Because <laughs> so that's good advice. You so can can one, you take pictures was, like this with point and shoots though? I mean, you, do you need a, a, a fancy dang camera? No, not really. Um, that that one actually uh, for landscape photography, point and shoots are sometimes better because uh, a lot of landscape photographers try to get everything in focus from the near to the very far. Right. So they they want this sharp picture and uh, t uh, DSLRs with a bigger sensors and, and a longer lens sometimes tends to throw the background out of focus, which you like in portraits, but in landscape photography right. that can get in your way. Right. And uh, point and shoot is, um, I, I know landscape photographers who prefer bridge cameras and point and shoot cameras. Yeah. So uh, you have another picture here. This is, <laughs> I like the name of it, Yak Cheese 
camera film. <laughs> so that, obviously that's that's a, a shop somewhere in the mountains and it's selling where you can buy both, both yak cheese and camera film, <laughs> which which I found really interesting because uh, my fiance decided to take an analog uh, a set of analog cameras with her on this trek, and she had um, we basically developed pictures up at twelve thousand feet. Are you going to do this again next year? Uh, we do another Himalayan workshop of some sort. We're not really sure where we're going to do. Maybe we will repeat the, the or we will do the, 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 the trek we couldn't do this year, the Kailash trek. Uh, we were also thinking about maybe going to Bhutan, which is a very interesting place. Mm. Um, and then there are some other ideas. But uh, it will all be over at HimalayanWorkshops.com. So HimalayanWorkshops.com. Chris's website, his personal site, also links to all of this, plus his podcast, Tips from the Top Floor, and all the other things Chris does. I just love Chris Marquardt. C-H-R-I-S-M-A-R-Q-U-A-R-D-T dot com. I'll tell you what, you go to techguylabs.com. We'll have a link there for you to both sites. Uh, inspiring, beautiful photography. And now I want to go out and shoot a landscape. <laughs> Good. <laughs> Thank you. So it's great to talk to you again. Absolutely. I'll, I'll do my best to be back next week. Again. Yeah, well, and we'll see you Tuesday on our Mostly Photos show. Chris is going to be a awesome. guest on this. Leo Laporte, the tech guy. Back to the phones. Your calls to 8888. Ask Leo next. All right. Leo Laporte, the tech guy. 8888. Ask Leo. We can talk about cameras if you want. We have a, you know, Chris is going to be on our mostly photography show. We do a bunch of shows on the Twit Network, my podcast network. So during the weekend, I do the radio shows. And then uh, all week long, I continue because I can't stop talking. I continue to talk about tech on Twit, T W I T. If you go to Twit, TV, TWIT.TV, you'll see all the shows. We stream them live as we do them at live.twit.tv. So mostly photo is Tuesdays at 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern at live.twit.tv. Chris will be back. We'll spend a whole hour talking with Chris and Lisa Bettany about uh, digital photography, about his uh, treks and uh, more. That's uh, live.twit.tv. Our website for the radio show, techguylabs.com. That's where you'll find links to everything I talk about, including Chris's site. Uh, plus the phone number, plus the great chat room. It's a lot of fun. What is it, Ozzy? Oh, my dog is all excited because he says, Leo, you got to take another call. All right, Ozzy, all right. He says, Paul from Sacramento has been holding on for ages. Sorry, Paul. Welcome to the show, Leo Laporte. Leo, it's such a pleasure to talk to you. Well, thank you for holding on. My pleasure. Seen that days. Oh, wow. Yeah, go back, so go back, goes back a ways, huh? Yes. Uh, I'm an online gamer, and I just bought my uh, dream machine. I bought a Six-core processor, uh, dual video cards, uh, 12 gigs of really fast RAM. Wow, 12 gigs. Why 12 gigs, just out of curiosity? 65. Uh, I got a 64-bit. Uh, uh, oh, yeah, you have to to see 12 gigs. Hey, you bought 12 gigs because you could. Yeah. The problem that I'm having is that I ran a score on Windows. Everything runs maximum. Until it gets down to the hard drive. Oh. So 
coaxed down to a 5.7. Oh, and by, well, 5.7 ain't bad. Let's first say that, Paul. You're just spoiled. I know. I, I want everything maximum. <laughs> the window, the Windows Experience Index, I think, goes to 7, right? Right, right. So you almost have a 6 on the hard drive. But, you're, but you know, it does raise a very important point which is uh, that uh, most computers these days are not limited by the speed of their processors. You have six processors, each running several gigahertz. You've got... (laughs) That's quite a bit. Uh, But what happens is all of that that horsepower is sitting there waiting because it's pulling along the creaky carriage of uh, the uh, what we call I.O., input-output system. In other words, the hard drive. Uh, and um, as fast as modern hard drives are, you you probably have uh, SATA SATA two or SATA three in there. You, you, uh, it's brand new. I bet you got three. I got three one uh, one terabyte drives. And the and the connection is probably a SATA three connection, which I think goes up to just SATA three. Yeah, I can't remember. Is that six gigabytes a second? Right. I can't. Yeah. So that's a lot of throughput. Yeah. Six gigabit, six gigabits. By the way, not gigabytes. Six gigabits a second. But uh, what happens is the spinning hard drives that you have aren't, in fact, capable of six gigabits. Right. They're too slow. So there's a couple of things you could do. You know, you spend a lot of money. I'm going to spend a little more for you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to say, and I think nowadays this is what my strong recommendation is to get a solid state drive, not just one for you know you got already got three drives in there. Your boot drive, the operating system in games, should be on a solid-state drive, which means 128 gigs is plenty. 64 is probably plenty. Oh, okay. And then everything else is on the spinning, the cheap storage, the cheap slow storage. But by putting, uh, first of all, your Windows Experience score will go up. It still won't be 7, but it'll go up to something like 6.7. Oh, that'd be uh, Yeah, and you will, more importantly, because the score is just a score, but more importantly, you will notice a massive improvement in boot time and game load times, uh, you know, uh, huge. Now, the thing about SSD is they're, they're costly for the size. That's why I'm suggesting you don't use it for your main storage. Right. You get one SSD. So this stands for solid-state disk. It's the same kind. It's just basically a flash disk, but it's much, much faster. You, you, you know, SSD will come close to saturating your SATA 3. Right. That's what you want to do. That's good, because I... Uh... Right now, I have all my applications on one one terabyte drive, my system on another, and then my data on a third. Yeah, that's smart. That's a good way to do it. And I presume these are seventy two hundred RPM or or faster drives. Seventy two hundred, yeah. Yeah, and you can get ten ten thousand hybrid drives, and I wasn't real. Uh, do not recommend hybrid drives. Those are partly solid state, partly spinning, and they are not very fast. Go out and get a decent, you know, first of all, go to PCPer.com, P-C-P-E-R.com. Okay. Uh, and they do reviews of solid-state drives. My friend Alan Malventano writes those. He's brilliant. He's a Coast Guard officer by day and a high-speed disk drive jockey by night. Oh. And uh, he tests them all, and he will tell you different, you know, which brands are good. It depends, it depends a, a lot on the controller. I think the Sandforce controllers are currently the best controllers. Uh, and you will just, you know, now it's going to set you back maybe four or five hundred bucks. That's nothing compared to what you've spent already. I've already spent uh, thousands. Yeah. And, you know, and get, get. I would say probably you're going to get a 128 gig drive. You'll probably get a Corsair or uh, maybe an Intel. And I'll tell you, this will make a big, big, big difference. Okay. 
thank you very much. I, I value your opinion. That's why I called. Well, thanks, Paul. And read those reviews at PC Per. I, I think I think you'll agree. I'll tell you the um, is it Navy, not Coast Guard. I, oh, I'm sorry, he's a naval officer. Oh man, am I going to oh, be in trouble now? <laughs> well, that's close. He's a he was he's a petty officer. So Rockland, thank you. He's not even an officer. He's a non com. I am so sorry. Working man. <laughs> he's a work. He does. He works for a living. <laughs> hey, Paul. Great to talk to you. All right, partner. You thank you very much. Take care. My my pleasure. I I think that uh, more and more we're seeing uh, laptops. I uh, truthfully, I do not buy a laptop now without a solid state drive. You spend a lot of money on it. Uh, you know, they're more than twice as expensive for the same amount of storage. But you get such a if 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 you're this Paul built a caviar machine. So if you've got a machine a caviar machine, uh, you're not going to use French toast for your hard drive. You got to you know you got to have some blinis in there, baby. You got some chopped egg. A little bit of that, man. It's going to be good. It's going to be fast. What? Your CPUs, all this all this horsepower sitting there waiting for the drive to get around to giving them data. That's not good. It's choking them. Choking them. So good. I, you know, I'm glad, always glad to spend a little, of, uh, little bit of your money. Hey, let's take a break. When we come back, we're going to talk uh, our next caller, uh, Ken in Corona, California. Wants a backup for his phone. Oh, yeah. That's important. Right now, though, do I, what, what should I be talking about, Louis? Not 32? I think I love talking about Not 32 because this is a great antivirus. Now, especially for all our Mac friends. Oh, our Mac friends who, uh, who have been living in a wonderland for so long. No Mac viruses, no problems. And now, all of a sudden, Mac Defender. And you, I just saw a news story that, uh, that Apple phone lines are jammed from people who've been bit by this bug because... Frankly, Apple users never have to, had to think about security. That's a shame, but this is what happens. You know, the bad guys are out there. I don't want you to be paranoid. I just want you to get protection, and that's why I recommend the products from ESET, E-S-E-T dot com. For Windows, it's not 32. For Mac, it's cybersecurity for the Mac. Same speedy, lightweight engine, fastest scanning engine out there. Very effective. For the Windows product, they haven't missed a virus in the wild, and that's what you want to check. Not these synthetic virus tests, but has has a virus in the wild been able to get by, not for 10 years, for Nod32, not for 10 years. Cybersecurity for the Mac adds a really nice feature, education, because as you've heard me say many times, is what you do is as important as the software you run. You get both. I want you to try it free for 30 days. If you're a Mac user... Go to ESET.com slash Mac. If you're a Windows user, ESET.com slash Leo. You get 30 days free of uh, Nod32 or cybersecurity for the Mac, and I think you will see what a great, nice, fast, smart program this is. And by the way, don't forget to follow ESET on Facebook. It's ESETUSA. They'll loop you in on contests, special offers, and exclusive content. If you use Windows or Mac, you need ESET. Uh, what did I say? Who was I going to talk to next? It was Ken in uh, in Corona. Hi, Ken. Leo Laporte, the tech guy. Yeah, hi, Leo. This is Ken. How are you? Very good. How are you, Ken? Just fine, just fine. Hey, I bought an HTC Evo on your recommendation when I was looking for my new phone. How do you like it? I love it. I actually love it. My wife has one. My brother has one. His wife <laughs> has one now. All on your recommendation. So. Hey, that's great. Now, my problem is I cracked my screen and... uh. I went and had it to be replaced, and they wanted to give me a new phone, which I said, okay, go ahead. 
Well, then they found out, oh, you saved your contacts on your phone, not on your Google account. So they couldn't transfer them. So I had to have them repair my phone. Oh, dear. New phone. Yeah, well, let me tell you uh, when we come back, we're going to take a break. When we come back, how to back up your data on your Android phone. Leo Laporte, the tech guy. Ozzy's singing along to the theme song, I think. (laughs) My dog is singing along to the Tech Guy theme song. Leo Laporte, the Tech Guy, 8888. Ask Leo. That's the number if you've got a question, a comment, a suggestion. We're talking about tech. That could be anything from a cell phone to home theater. Of course, a computer, a tablet. The internet website is techguylabs.com. That's where you'll find out all about everything I talk about, plus listen to past shows. This is episode 772. Holy cow. We better have a party about six months from now when we do show 1000. That would be kind of that would be kind of fun. So uh, before the break, I had to take a break, but we were talking about backing up. Ken uh, from... Uh, Cordoba, California, or Corona, California. So, Ken, you had a, a Sprint Evo 4G. It, it broke. Uh, and the phone people said, oh, we can't get your data off of it because you haven't been syncing with Google. What? I don't even know if that's possible. Did you ever give it a, a Google account uh, login? Yes, I have a Google account. But when you save a contact, it asks you save it to the phone or save it to Google. But they should automatically be syncing. So it's not syncing. Correct. It's not thinking. Yeah. Yeah. So one of the things I really like about Android phones is how tightly integrated they are into the Google Cloud. Um, what I do suggest everybody do, who uh, is, in fact, frankly, nowadays, I suggest this for everyone because even even iPhones work this way, is, is have your uh, contacts, your calendar uh, on Google. Use Google Calendar, uh, Google Contacts, and... Um, then when you sign in with your phone, it should automatically populate the phone. has the advantage of if you lose or break the phone, you haven't lost anything because all your data is on Google. And, in fact, that's one of the beauties of the Android phones. Not only do they back that stuff up, they'll back all your data up, including what apps you have installed. So when I get a new Android phone, I log in and it says, ah, okay, oh, you know, first thing it does, it gets all the phone numbers back on and the, and the calendar entries back on. But within, the, you know, a couple of hours, all my apps have been re-downloaded. Which I love. I mean, my phone goes right back to the way it was without any effort on my part. And, and as somebody who's been using a cell phone for so long, I mean, I can't tell you how many times I had to re-enter all my data by hand. And it was just a pain. So, um, I guess from now on, what I'd say, Ken, is don't do that save it only to the phone thing. Right. I don't. Yeah. And uh, it should it should all kind of work. Now, I'm surprised they said they couldn't get the data off the phone. 
Well, they said since they couldn't read the screen, they didn't have the buttons to push. Ah, I get it. They couldn't see anything. So you did have to get it fixed just to get your data. Now I understand. Now I understand. There are a number of backup, separate third-party backup solutions for uh, Android. I'm actually content with the way uh, Google does it. But uh, you can buy another one like Titanium Backup um, that will not only back up you know, everything Google backs up, but, but all the data as well. Um, I haven't used it, but uh, go ahead. I wanted to try and do something similar to like Carbonite, just that in the middle of the night, back up everything, photos, videos, everything, if it's possible. Yes. That's what Titanium will do. Now, you have to root your phone to do that. It's very easy to root an Evo. It's not complicated. Um, I would say everybody seems to agree that titanium backup is the way to go. The reviews are very positive for this. It will back apps up It will so you don't have to re-download them. It'll back up all your data, including photos. Uh, there are free and paid versions. Uh, the only negative, unfortunately, is that you have to root the phone. Uh, the good news is all Android phones are pretty easy to root. All rooting, all rooting means is uh, I want to have full administrative access to my phone. And if you think about it, a backup solution that's going to work is going to have to be on a rooted phone because it has to have access to stuff that you as a user wouldn't normally have access to. Okay. So, so I would say get to root your phone. You can find out how to do that. If you just type root Evo, <laughs> you'll find a lot of pages to do that. It's very simple. And uh, and then you can look for titanium backup. Uh, let's see, I'm looking at the chat room, and uh, another uh, choice is Wirefly mobile backup. Uh, to be honest, the reason I don't know a whole lot about this is I'm perfectly content to do it the way Google does it. As I would, um, didn't make that mistake. I got over yeah. text. I don't want to re-enter. Yeah, I mean, I keep my pictures on Picasso Web, and you know, I'm kind of. It does suck you into the Googleverse. And, you know, there are people who reasonably say, I don't want to give Google all that information. But if you don't, well, then you're going to have to give somebody else all that information and uh, using cloud backup. So, yeah, I would say titanium is like carbonite for a uh, phone. Uh, Wirefly, similar. Uh, there, are other, there are other similar choices. Would there be a concern about rooting it before you actually backed it up? No. That would be my concern. Rooting it is completely safe. There are some phones where they try to block you. I don't believe the Evo is one of them. Okay. Uh, the one other thing you should be aware of is Google has said uh, that uh, the uh, YouTube movie rental system will not work on rooted phones because they can't, uh, they can't figure out how to do it and protect the movie industry's word you're going to pirate it. And if you have a rooted phone, you'll then have stuff that, uh, <laughs> that allows you to pirate their movies. There's the most paranoid people in the world. Okay. So that's one thing. If you plan to, if you had planned, and I wouldn't do it on a phone anyway, plan to rent or buy movies on YouTube. You won't be able to do that once you've rooted. Easy to unroot. It's not a, it's not a, it's not, it's a very simple thing. It's easier than, it's kind of like jailbreaking on an iPhone, but easier, simpler, and not so, uh, not so risky. Okay. Well, I appreciate it. All right. Hey, thanks very much for the call. Oh, Ken, one more thing. According to our chat room, if you do root the phone, Sprint OS updates won't occur anymore. Of course, that doesn't mean you can't get updates. You just have to do updates through the, you know, the non-traditional method, which usually means you'll get more updates more often. Right. Okay. That'll be fine. I think it's worth. I think it's worth doing that. I've, you know, it's, it's funny, funny thing. You'd think I, of all people, will would have rooted my uh, my many Android phones by now. Never did. I never felt the need. Uh, I've jailbroken many an iPhone, 
but uh, I just don't I don't feel the uh, the need. Now we have a show. One of our podcasts is called All About Android, and uh, Eileen and Jason, who host that show, have promised that they are going to take my um, my Mo- T-Mobile G2X, not only root it, they're going to replace the uh, the operating system with a Cyanogen mod, which is a hacked operating system. This is, by the way, completely legal. Uh, in fact, it's so much so that Google at their recent I.O. conference, when they talked about their new uh, Chromebooks, their new notebooks uh, with the Chrome OS, they said, root, root ready. They were proud of this. They said, uh, uh, by the way, all of these are completely rootable and we uh, encourage it and it's their root ready out of the box. <laughs> I love that. It, it sounds scary. It's not scary. It means merely that you're giving yourself full administrator privileges on the phone. Um, and I, and I, and I, you know, sometimes some carriers don't like that. They don't want you to do that. Um, but, uh, on most phones, it's most sprint, most, uh, Android phones. That's not a problem. 8888 ask Leo, the phone number, Troy, you're next Leo Laporte, the tech guy. Hi, Troy. Hi, Leo. How you doing? Very well. How are you? Doing pretty good. Just have a fun question for you. Hopefully it's a quick one. Okay. We're streaming uh, Netflix on a computer that's connected to a 36-inch HD um, TV. But yeah. I get the audio into the TV or into a surround sound system. Uh, you know, you're probably using HDMI to connect to the TV. HDMI normally carries audio but may not come from that computer. What are you using out of the computer? How are you getting the data from the computer to the TV? Just a VGA cord. It does not have a... Um... Okay. Well, VGA has no audio either. Yeah. So you have to get audio out of the computer into the TV. Okay. Uh, this is it a laptop? EMI. Yes. Is it is it a laptop? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. So probably you're just going to take the analog audio from the analog audio jack of the Acer and then put that into the TV. Little tricky. I'll talk a little bit about what you can do that might make this easier in a bit. Leo Laporte, the tech guy. Eighty-eight-eighty-eight. Ask is the phone number. You can find that in all the show notes at TechGuyLabs.com. We talk about computers, the internet, tablets, all sorts of stuff. Well, I have so many good questions coming up here, but let's get back to Troy. Oh, I'm excited about the next couple. Let's, but let's get back to Troy. Hey, Troy. Uh, so. Um, you you want to hook up? You, you, this is actually a lot of people who watch Netflix on their television do it by connecting an Xbox or PlayStation Three or a Roku box or a Wii. I mean, there's lots of you know even many Blu-ray players now, even many TVs now have a Netflix built into it. But you've got a computer and you want to play Netflix back from your computer. Is that the only thing that you're playing back onto your TV, or is there other stuff on the computer that you want to put on the TV? Uh, that's the only thing that we're using right now. The- At some point. I would suggest getting a Roku or something similar. It's going to be a lot easier just hooking it up to your TV. 
Um, and it's and then you don't have to dedicate a whole computer just to watch Netflix on your TV. However, I'll help you. Uh, we'll help you solve this. So you've got it's a laptop. It's got I presume audio out. Yes. Uh, the television must have audio in. But they're not the same kind of connection. Yeah. So you got to get the cable that matches your TV. So you're going to use VGA to the TV. Uh, you're going to use a mini jack coming out of the audio port in your laptop, and probably it's going to go to a pair of RCA jacks, red and white, that will connect up to your TV. It'll have to connect up to the same input as your TV. So you, uh, this that's the one tricky thing, is that you have to tell the whatever that VGA is going to to get its audio from whatever the audio is going to. If you can get it all in the same you know unit, video one, video two, video three, that'll work. If you can't. Uh, they may may not work. What is the VGA going to? Is it going to a PC input on your TV? Yes. Okay. Now, I'm not... Maybe somebody in the chat room uh, can help me here. If you're watching video on the PC input, where do most TVs get their audio? From the RC... There'll be one... Their audio designated for the PC area? Okay. So look for RCA, red and white RCA jacks that are near that input the vga input for pc that and that sh- that'll be the audio and when you then go to pc on your remote control you should get audio and video from the laptop okay Does that make there sense? any additional like um hdmi cables that can connect to you can for uh, it'd be cheaper to buy a roku box <laughs> but if you which is like 69 bucks but if you want you can buy they make devices that will turn the audio from the VGA and the, I mean, the video from the VGA and the audio from the audio jack into HDMI, which you then plug into your TV. But that's like a hundred bucks. So I would suggest getting a Roku box instead if that's what you're going to do. Okay. Geffen makes them. G E F E N. Uh, they just convert audio and video, but it, because the uh, audio and video are analog and HDMI is digital. It actually that's why it costs a hundred bucks. It's actually an analog to digital converter. Yeah, it's simpler because you now have HDMI going to the TV, but it's a hundred bucks. Get a Roku box. If that's all you're doing, you'll be much happier. But let's Roku does Hulu Plus, it does Amazon, there's a lot of other stuff in addition to a Netflix. I think a Roku box is a great choice. R O K U. Is it still Roku Labs or just I think it's just R O K U dot com now. So a very a pretty a very straightforward uh, thing to do, and that's one of the reasons they sell so many of them. Derek Knoxville, Tennessee. Hey, Derek, Leo Laporte, the tech guy. Hey, Leo, how are you doing? Well, very well. How are you? I'm doing good. I'm sitting here writing my thesis and watching you on TV. So you oh, you're procrastinating. <laughs> it's procrastination. I can't write my thesis. I'm on hold. Well, I, I you know I, I tell my I say I'm writing my thesis. It's open, but my parents might be listening. So, you know. <laughs> what is your thesis hurt. on, Derek? Um, I'm writing two different papers right now. Um, I'm actually a, a master's student at UT uh, studying entomology. So it's uh, one's on expression of an insect protein in yeast, and another one's on isolation of proteins from an insect. How interesting. I love so that. I've now, now successfully bored your entire no that stuff's great <laughs> in fact it, you're you're going to be a, a geneticist i would guess um it's molecular entomology with genetics i'm actually working on um and the reason i'm calling is i'm trying to get into a phd program and um and i'd like to focus more on medical entomology like disease transmission from insects oh how fascinating like yeah my doc so. my daughter is very interested in that i think she wants to get a master's in public health very interested 
in yeah, uh, disease vectors and things like that. Very interesting. Well, well, how can I help that? Well, what I've been doing is I have a, um, a Lenovo ThinkPad, uh, the convertible laptop to a tablet. And it's, it's okay, but I'm finding it more and more useless because it's underpowered. And most of the tablets right. that are actually coming out now are as equally powered but more portable. Welcome and, to the um, world of computing. Everything's better, yeah. cheaper, and faster. <laughs> exactly. And so I'm trying to figure out what would be the best um, the best option as far as a tablet because I'd like to I'd like to move to, in a tablet direction. And I, I, my mom and my brother and my grandma all have iPads, and they seem to enjoy them. And the oh, iPad iPads are great. I mean, iPad is the mature product. So. Mm-hmm. Uh, what what would you use it though for? Would taking notes or what? Well, and that's yeah, and that's what I'm looking at. Is I, I know Dan Wrinkle has Note Taker HD, which yeah, is that because, I was so impressed with that, and so many students use that. And that's the thing that's nice is for our lab notebooks. A lot of them now you have to write and then convert to a PDF and then right. import it into an online lab notebook. And there's nothing on Android that can do that. But at the same time, I appreciate the openness of the Android platform and as do I G- and the Gmail app. Since I'm a very heavy Gmail user, it's about a thousand yeah. times better than anything Apple has to offer. So I'm I'm not going to tie myself to one product or another just because of a single because of a single app or or anything like that. So I was kind of open. There to is all. nothing I have to say. Uh, there is nothing comparable. So the advantage of Dan Bricklin's Note Taker HD, which is an iPad app, is that you can use both typing and ink. Uh, in fact, he suggests you use a stylus, and that's great for somebody, a student like you, for instance, uh, not everything you want to do can be typed. You might need to sketch a diagram, write a molecular you know, diagram, things like that, mm-hmm. and that you're going to want to use ink for, and Dan's really, t- it's tuned around that, and there is nothing, uh, as far as I know, on the Android that's anywhere near as mature as Notetaker HD. Yeah, and I've I've heard that there's a possibility it could be ported over, but it's like at least six months away, or I, I don't know. There's a lot of you know a lot of rumor and conjecture, but that doesn't doesn't help me a whole lot. Um, there is a chat room tells me there's an Android app called Note Everything, which I am about to download <laughs> that does all that as well. I would guess you know Android is very close to catching up in terms of raw numbers of applications. And uh, because I would just say it's merely a year or two, uh, maybe even not even that much behind. Um, you know, it was a little more than two years ago that the first Android phone, the G1, came out. And in two years, incredible strides. My favorite Android tablet right now, by far, is it's not coming out till the first week of June, is the Samsung Galaxy Tab 10.1. It's what I have uh, right in front of me. And uh, it is fast. It is efficient. It will have the new Honeycomb in the next, uh, but before it comes out, uh, 3.1. Um, if you really have, I mean, don't, you know, the problem with having a, having political beliefs about openness is they might get in the way of actual functionality. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, I think the iPad's a great choice, but let me check out this uh, note everything. It may be that you could do what you need to do on an Android, in which case I'd say the future is certainly with Android. Leo Laporte, the tech guy.
This portion of the Tech Guy Show is brought to you by my internet service provider, DSL Extreme. For high-speed internet and an amazing price, call 866-2-GET-NET to get DSL Extreme. Leo Laporte, the Tech Guy, 8888-ASK-LEO. That's the phone number if you have a question, you want to talk about tech. I love to talk about tech. I, I think an interesting question, um, you know, tablets have really taken over. Uh, they're selling like hotcakes, of course, mostly because of the iPad. Uh, but it, uh, it's interesting. And one of the reasons I realized early on that tablets were going to do well is because there's so many potential markets. So we've heard two on the show. An older woman who bought a PC couldn't figure out what, where the operating system was. And I said, why? You know, your first computer, why buy a PC? Get an iPad. You won't have to worry about security. It's much easier to use. You don't have to even think about words like operating system. It just happens. It just works. Uh, and then our last caller is student. Working on his thesis, an entomologist, and uh, he wants to use it for taking notes. He's an advanced computer user. He's a sophisticated guy. He wants to use it for taking notes. It makes a lot of sense. They're lightweight. They're very portable. They're very attractive. They're very functional, easy to use. They just get the job done. I think this is not a surprise. This is a hot category. I'm a big fan. Gary, Oceanside, California, you're next. Leo Laporte, the tech guy. Leo. Hello. Hey, Gary. Leo, I've been a bad customer. Oh, no. What'd you do, Gary? Leo, Leo, I know I broke a cardinal rule. Without... You didn't back up? I didn't. Oh, Gary. Good. You could be our poster boy for today. And what happened, Gary? Well, I'm afraid you're going to give me really, really bad news. Hopefully, you can just break my heart now quickly and <laughs> as much pain as possible and then set me on the right road for the <laughs> Okay. Okay. I do a lot of video. That's my job. Many, many uh, video files, and I have a lot of different hard drives floating around, and I... I I don't have enough time to back up, not enough money to buy extra hard drives. And I had an external small laptop hard drive outside of its case that got mixed up into my laundry. (laughs) Oh, no. You didn't wash it. It went through an entire (laughs) with laundry detergent and everything. Oh, God. Wait a minute. Is it a, a solid-state drive or a spinning drive? It's a spinning drive. So a standard hard drive. Standard laptop. Now, let me let you off the hook a little bit. The people who don't back up are people who have massive files like you. Video files are gigantic. You know, you're not going to use Carbonite because it's hundreds of terabytes. You'd ne- you wouldn't get it backed up before the end of the world. Exactly. Because you're making... You're making more all the time. Well, and that's my business. I'm a videographer. Right. So, no, and people like Alex Lindsay, who does the same thing, what does he do? He buys lots of hard drives and retires them. He wraps them in bubble wrap and puts them on a shelf. And that's their backup. And that's really the only, there isn't a really great way to back up massive data like that. It's very pricey. So, Gary, do not beat yourself up. Uh, however, I got bad news for you. Yeah. <laughs> if, you, if you ran a hard drive through the washing machine, it's highly unlikely you're going to get that data back. And I'll tell you why. 
Uh, first of all, uh, hard drives, although they are sealed, are not 100% sealed. They, in fact, do let air in. They have to. Right. And that means that same pinhole that lets in air is almost certainly let in water and soap. I don't think there's a hope in the world that you're going to get that back. Here's what you should do. You should you should let that dry sit for as long as you can. You want to, you want to try to dry it out. You can't open it. But what you can hope is that it'll 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 dry out and if it's fully dried, you might be able to plug it in and use it. Have you already tried plugging it in? No, I I sat it for 2 days and stared at it, hopeless, <laughs> waiting for Leo to give me some good news. Yeah. I mean, one thing you can do is put in a box uh, with rice to absorb the moisture. There is actually, there's actually te- technical materials that are even better than rice. Um, you know, they come in packaging. Sometimes you get this, what is it called, silicon uh, dioxide or something like that, silicon dioxide. It absorbs, basically the idea is it absorbs moisture. There, is, there are companies that sell these things for drying out electronics. You know, you could try that. Here's the problem. If there's residue... From the dish, from the soap detergent inside the drive. Oh boy, you're really in trouble. What you could do, there is there are companies, Drive Savers in uh, Northern California is the one I recommend. Drivesavers.com. They actually have on their on their support line. They have a grief counselor for people like you, Gary. <laughs> they hired somebody from a grief counseling hotline to answer the phone because it, you know people are in grief. Uh, and so what happens is uh, they now these are very expensive solutions because they have all the parts. They have a clean room. They have guys in bunny suits who can safely open up the drive and examine it. What they could do and they may well do this is they open up the drive. Uh, they then carefully rinse out any residue, dry it. You know, they clean the platters and reassemble the drive. You'd have to do this in a clean room environment, but they can, in theory, do this. And then um, plug it in and hope to get it back. Will cost you a minimum of two thousand dollars, maybe more. So, how important is that video? Well, can I tell you what I do? Maybe you give me some ideas. I know you love small businesses. And I do. Some advice for the future. I are one. Okay. Well, I'm the first and the only full time professional arm wrestling videographer in the United States. As I travel around the country filming arm wrestling tournaments, we put it on our website, and then we have 400 to 500 paying members that pay to view the events. And so every weekend we have a new tournament, and it's probably average of 10 to 20 hours of raw video that we edit down and we stream it. And then we move on to the next tournament. So I'm always, the raw stuff, that's edited it always just gets pushed to the back burner right forgotten about right in fact really probably you know you're done with it yeah and right now well, we have we get some television interest we're primarily the only marketer for arm wrestling but we every once in a while get you know uh spike tv will come along and ask us for some footage of some com- athletes and find a it's gone with the heart are you are you are you myarmtv.com uh yes sir that is me. That's it. Wow. You know, I live in Petaluma, California. This show's coming from the former wrist wrestling capital of the world. Yeah, absolutely. Petaluma. W- yeah, we yeah, we lost that title. I think it's moved on, but uh 
So you and I, we've got a bond, my friend. We do have a bond. In fact, <laughs> going to go to Petaluma to visit some of the, you know, the former legends, and I wanted to visit your, your. Yeah, you got to come by. Yeah, we're wide open. Please do come by. I'd love to see you, Gary. In fact, we have a statue to uh, Bill Soberanis at the town at the big uh, intersection because he was the guy who uh, brought wrestling to Petaluma, it, it immortalized in the Peanuts Peanuts cartoon strip by Charles Schultz. Uh, remember, Snoopy was a competitor. So uh, this is cool. And so I understand your archival video may be more important because of network interest. Yes. and But there's so many hundreds of hours. I mean, we filmed 12,000 matches alone this year. And there's no good way to do this except on hard drives. I guess you could use more, there are more expensive solutions like dad tapes. But what I would do is you have a work drive. You're editing. You leave all the work parts on it. Obviously, you save the final cut. That's not what you're worried about. You're worried about all the work parts, the, the 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 cutting room floor. That hard drive, you do what my friend Alex Lindsay does. You wrap it in bubble wrap or something safe. You put it on the shelf. You keep track of it. You number them so you know where to go back to. And that's the best you can do. Leo Laporte, the tech guy. The tech guy. We were just talking about, uh, for our last caller, solutions. Gary is a, uh, an unusual, has an unusual backup problem. Because he, his, his files are massive. I mean, we're talking gigabytes uh, of files for each and every shoot that he does. And he's got thousands of them to keep track of. You can't use an online backup service. Because it just take, it's, you, know, you don't have enough bandwidth to do that. It just takes up too much time to upload all this stuff. You have to make backups, local backups onto hard drives. Hard drives are, in in terms of cost per gigabyte, the cheapest, cheapest, cheapest choice by far. So what you get is, um, I think would be the, the solution for you is, that, and we use them here, they're cradles. They're eSATA or USB or FireWire cradles. They're like toasters. And you you take a bare hard drive, you pop it into that thing, and you can use it. Now, for video editing, you probably want to use ESAT or FireWire, or you know, I'm sure that there will be some Thunderbolt versions of these. Uh, and you and you use it just like it's a hard drive. And then when you're done, you eject the hard drive, you and you put it in something safe. I actually bubble wrap probably isn't great because there's probably static issues with that. They make anti-static plastic hard drive containers that take bare hard drives. You write what's on that hard drive on the box. It, even better if you have a media management system. You put it in a database and you say, you know, this is what's on there. Maybe save an EDL out somewhere and put that in the database so that you can. This becomes what's called offline storage. Here we go. Here's one. Uh, thank you, John. Who who makes? Oh, this is newer tech makes these. A lot of companies make these. N e w e r t e c h dot com. Uh, this particular uh, model on the back it's called the Voyager. It has eSATA, which is the fastest. It's just like an, ex- an internal hard drive, but your computer has to support that. USB, two FireWire uh, 800 connectors, and a FireWire 400 connector. So this is kind of like the best of all worlds. And it's, it's a jukebox, basically. It's a, uh, a toaster. 
for hard drives. It makes it easy to connect a hard drive and disconnect it. You just pop it in. There are machines, there are PCs, so much like a toaster, this even has a little uh, lever that you push down like a toaster to eject it. Um, there are computers that have uh, removable hard drive bays, so you could do that too if you have a PC. Um, but the idea is that the hard drive is your backup. Now, it's not a true backup because there's only one copy, but it's it's offline storage. If you really want to be super safe, get two of them. Put the date, you know, the stuff you're working on on that hard drive, and then copy it, and then pop them both and put them in two separate places. That's true. Then you have true backup. You have two copies, one in, in, in two different locations of everything. But that gets a little pricey. And you also have to match, you know, your backup strategy has to consider things like how important is this data? How much are you willing to spend to protect it? How quickly would you need it back? What would happen? How would you feel if it didn't work anymore? Things like that. Um, uh, these, are, these are great solutions. This is the newer tech Voyager, but uh, there are a number of companies that make these. They look like toasters for hard drives. You pop the hard drive in like a piece of toast, and then you connect it to the computer and you can use it. Uh, Sir Cake is saying Drobo, no, Drobo's not a good solution. Uh, oh, Drobo might be a solution for your online storage because it's massive storage and redundant, but it's not big enough to store all of this stuff unless you want to buy, and it's expensive unless you want to buy a lot of Drobos. The advantage of something like this is you're only paying for the bare hard drive. That's the cheapest you can get away with. You're just buying bare hard drives, 100 bucks for two terabytes. When it's full, you take it. I mean, that's, frankly, that's what we do. We record every show that we do. And uh, we, we, we record it onto a hard drive and put it on the shelf. And that's it. Now we have a copy of it. One copy, but uh, I don't consider it so vital that we not lose anything that I need more than one copy. If you need more than one copy, then you might need two hard drives, two, two connectors. Uh, but I think that's not probably for most people uh, cost effective. All right, we've got to take a break. When we come back, Frank's on the line from Riverside. His, it says here, his cursor forces programs to repeat over and over. That doesn't sound good. <laughs> that does, does not sound good. Let me talk about, for those of us who are not videographers, another backup solution. Uh, and it's Carbonite.com. Now, let me, I'll be blunt. Carbonite, if you have 100 terabytes to backup, don't use Carbonite. But if we're talking a gig or two or three, Carbonite's perfect. See, Carbonite uses your online uh, access to back your data up to the internet, to the Carbonite servers, where the data is then further backed up, so it's it's safe. Uh, but it can only uh, go as fast as your internet connection goes. Understand that. So this is why we have a two week free offer for Carbonite. Basically, go to Carbonite.com and install it on your PC or Mac. Use my name, Leo. It'll be running on the PC or Mac whenever you're online, automatically backing it up. That first backup might take a little while, depending on how much data you have, how fast your connection is. But once it's up there, it will keep it backed up all the time very easily. And now, wherever you go, you can log on to your Carbonite account on any computer, on an iPad, an iPhone, an Android, uh, BlackBerry, and there's your data, there's your stuff, your files are there. So it's cloud storage. And if the worst happens, you press one button and you restore it all. Boom, just like that. You can even, you know, you let's say you have a laptop, you lose the laptop. You buy a new laptop, you just log on to your Carbonite account on that laptop, you say restore, all your stuff's back. I mean, uh, this is total peace of mind. It's how backup should be. And I want you to try it free. Two weeks. Carbonite.com. Use the offer code Leo. If you decide to buy 14 months for the price of 12, two free months. But again, you got to use my name, Leo. Carbonite. You got to back it up to get it back. And I shouldn't have to tell you, backup is everything. So do it right with Carbonite.
Frank is in Riverside. Frank, what what is this what is this cursor doing to you here? This cursor has a mind of its own. I hate it when that happens. <laughs> well, What's going on? I just I just uh, put the cursor on a program and it just picks that program up, but I don't even have to click on the cursor. Oh, I think I know what's wrong. I think you've got a sticky mouse. It is a program, and so it just fills up the whole taskbar. <laughs> uh, it sounds like the what's what's happening, and tell me if I'm wrong, is that it's as if the mouse is clicking every time that cursor touches something. Yes. I think it's a sticky mouse. So the first thing you can do to troubleshoot this is get another mouse. you have another mouse lying around? Changed mouse, and it still does it. Still does it. Yep. So it's not a sticky mouse. Because <laughs> all mouses do it. Yeah, I, thought uh, I, I tried that. to put another mouse on it, and it's still done the same thing. Wow. Huh. Do you think it's... Uh, I'm looking at the chat room. Do you think it's it's sticky keys? No. It's the... You know, there's a... You should look. I mean, just, just out of curiosity. Are you using Windows? I'm using Windows... Uh, what version? It, XP? I'm using JT. Okay. I would try going, click the start menu, go to settings, control panel, and uh, what you want to do is uh, take a look at the accessibility options. There's something called sticky keys, filter keys, toggle keys. You know, these can get turned on by accident very easily. Um, and what it is, is for people who have trouble mousing or, uh, have trouble typing, it automatically clicks for instance. And I, I wonder if that's what's going on. So, uh, make sure that all of those things are unchecked, sticky keys, especially. Another thing is that if I'm like, I've been word perfect and I can be typing along and all of a sudden it stops, it freezes. And yeah, your I, computer is not happy. And I try to go to task manager. And a lot, a lot of times I can't even get into task manager. How old's the computer? Uh, this one's only about a year old. Oh, that's bad. Uh, you've restarted it, obviously. Oh, several times. Yeah, yeah. And now I wonder. It could be a stuck. It could be a stuck enter key. I would. I would look at your keyboard too. If you have another keyboard, shh, try. Uh, Try um, shifting keyboards. You know what I've done? It hit what? My keyboard. Yeah, that's what it sounds like. Your keyboard might actually be the problem. You have another keyboard? Yeah, yeah. And it still does it? No, I didn't try. I didn't try another keyboard yet. I would try another keyboard, Frank. Everything you just described could be a keyboard. I went. I also have carbonite. For back. Well, at least you're never at risk of losing your data. And what I wonder if this is going to ruin my carbonite because I went to carbonite center and it keeps on duplicating the article. <laughs> no, no, you're all right. It just it's, it keeps opening it. Yeah. I would try another keyboard. If you if that doesn't fix it, I think a reinstall, I hate to say it, but it sounds like the operating system's messed up. You could try a system restore, go to an earlier restore point and see if things are better. If not, you might have to reinstall Windows, I'm sorry to say. But it's something's confusing going on. But I'm wondering if it's a keyboard. You know, if your enter key was stuck, that you'd get kind of similar similar thing. The fact that sometimes your word processor becomes unresponsive, you can't type into it. Sounds like it's the keyboard. 
I just, it may be wrong, but I, just my guess. Sometimes that's the best I can do. Hey, I, I'm so glad you were here this week, and I hope you come back next week. Leo Laporte, the tech guy.